Welcome to Citadel Church Sermon of the Week. Citadel Church is here to connect you to God and to develop you for influence. For more information about Citadel Church, you can visit www.citadelchurch.com. Um, I'm really excited to be here. Are you guys excited to be here? Uh, I feel very privileged to be able to speak. That pastor would trust me with a microphone because it doesn't just trust anyone, so you know I'm trustworthy. Amen. Say, Pastor Nick, you're trustworthy. Thank you. Um, But uh, my wife and I missed you guys last week. Uh, I don't know if you noticed we were gone, but we were gone, and uh, we are in Aberdeen. Who knows where Aberdeen is? Raise your hand. Okay. So we were in Aberdeen, and uh, we're visiting Kelsey's... uh, childhood pastor, and uh, he wasn't there. But um, so we had the associate pastor there, and uh, it, was, it was awesome. And he had this word, and this word was expectation. And I just feel an expectation today that God's going to do something in your heart that you've been believing for. If it's finances, if it's healing, this message isn't about healing, but he can heal you in the midst. Because where two or three are gathered, he is in the Midst. Amen. So I want you to raise your expectation that this is one going to be a good message. Secondly, that God's going to do something good in your life. Amen. Amen. So we went to Aberdeen and um, the sister city of Aberdeen is Hoquiam. And <clears throat> Hoquiam is where Pastor Maggie is from. And uh, we actually went to Hoquiam's high school reunion like a couple weeks prior. And when we were there, I knew Pastor Maggie went to Hoquiam High School. And she played on the basketball team. So I was looking at the basketball pictures, trying to find her picture. Can we put that picture up? No, I'm just joking. We don't have that picture. We don't have that picture. It's, it's in my phone. So if you want it after service, you don't have to get prayer, but you can get the picture. No, can we put up that, that real picture, though? So this is the sign to Hoquiam. Can you tell that Pastor Maggie's from Hoquiam? Come on, if you can't read that, I'll read it. It says, welcome to Hoquiam, the friendliest city. When you see that sign, what do you think? The friendliest city. I'm so naive to believe that when I was going to cross that boundary, that on the other side, hey, welcome to Hoquiam. That's just me. Because a sign is to set the expectation of what's on the other side. And if you've seen the movie Elf, Elf is walking downtown and and he sees this coffee shop and it says, world's best cup of coffee. And so he goes in the coffee shop and goes, congratulations, world's best cup of coffee. You guys did it. It probably wasn't the world's best cup of coffee. But signs set an expectation for what's on the other side. And can I say your friendliness is a sign of what the city of our God is like. You guys want to know the title of this message? The friendliest city. Amen. Say, I am the friendliest city. Your friendliness or lack thereof pulls people in or it drives them away. Come on now. Matthew five fourteen through 15, it says, you are the light of the world. 
a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Your life cannot be hidden. The light inside of you has to show on the outside of you. Come on, the light on the inside of you needs to show on your countenance. It needs to show on your face. I've seen some sad Christians in my day. I don't know if you've ever seen a sad Christian, but there there's, are some Christians in Matthew 9 that he was talking about distressed and dispirited, not just the people outside the church, but sometimes the church looks a little sad because they forget who's on the inside. Come on, they forget they have an unlimited, resourceful God. They have a God that's so wise and so powerful and so merciful that they forget that he's on the inside and their outside doesn't show that he's on the inside. And we get so sensitive sometimes to life's issues, but we cannot respond to the world like the world. But we need to respond like God is on the inside of us. Amen. Now, you guys aren't sad, right? Online campus isn't sad. But this message is for people that want to win the one. Amen. And it starts with your face. This message is just about your face. Amen. You're a city on a hill and you cannot be hidden. When you profess Christ, you have a big sign on your head saying, I'm a Christian. I don't know if you guys knew that. When they know you're a Christian, everywhere you go, as if there was a sign above your head, hey, this guy's a Christian. I wonder how he's going to respond. Come on. When you don't have a God on your side, things just might always be the same. It just is what it is. But when you have a God on the inside, everything is subject to change. Amen. So we have hope in the midst of every single thing we do. Amen. I remember a minister came to Citadel and um, he had this vision where Jesus was a thousand feet tall. Come on. What if you knew that Jesus was so tall and so big that no matter what you're going through, you can just picture this Jesus that's so big. He can get over any obstacle. He can crush over any enemy. Come on, are you guys with me? Just close your eyes. Just picture Jesus a thousand feet tall. Amen. And pastor was preaching this message last week about the power to invite. And he was talking about the three kinds of people, the, the uh, negligent, the, the neglected. He's talking about those who are wandering. And he was talking about the people that were YOLOing. Only the young people get that. YOLO means you only live once. They're just living a little careless. But those three types of people, the, the wanderer, the neglected, and the YOLOer, they all have one thing in common. Two things. They're lost, but they have walls. Walls of rejection. Walls of confusion, walls of hurt, walls of pain, walls of unfamiliar. They're unfamiliar with your light, right? And we say to ourselves, if they only knew what I knew, their life would be so much better, right? Come on, you guys ever think that before you talk to someone? If they just knew what I knew, their life is going to be so much better. But they don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care, right? Unless you show an interest in their life, unless you show a compassion, unless you have an empathetic ear, they don't want to hear your message. Come on. Proverbs 18.2, uh, it says, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. It's actually foolish to tell someone without hearing their heart. The thing that you might have to offer them might not be the thing that they need. Right? But we got we to gotta hear their heart so we can minister effectively to their need. Amen? 
So there's a great pastor in the area. Um, he pastors a church in Bellevue, and he has an amazing staff and dynamic leadership and a beautiful congregation, and his church is at the Bellevue Hilton, and he wrote a book. That's, that's, that's you guys. That's Pastor Tracy. And he wrote a book, one-to-one, actually. This is a book. And he said in the book um, that soul winning is often likened to being a mechanic. This is how soul winning should not be, like being a mechanic. And when a mechanic finds a problem, he, he assesses the problem, he fixes the problem, and then he just wipes his hands. He says, hey, the problem's fixed. We come in and we're like, hey, you just need Jesus. You just need to fix this and everything's going to be right. And we have this message, but it needs to be postured in such a way that they have an opportunity to receive it. I'll just preface you right now. This message is not necessarily about us and being encouraged in our own lives, but it's how we can be encouraging to other people's lives. Amen. The Bible says my life is not my own, but I lay my down for my brothers that, that don't know the Lord. Amen. And so instead of being uh, like a mechanic, we need to be like a farmer. Say, I'm a farmer. Amen. I grew up in the city, but I'm a, I'm a farmer. When we speak into someone's life, we're sowing a seed. When we share a testimony with someone, we're sowing a seed. When we get to pray for someone, we're sowing a seed. And it's not our job to necessarily fix them. You might have the word of the Lord right then and there, and they might come to their knees and say, Jesus is Lord. Yes. Sometimes you're just sowing a seed. Amen. And people are in different seasons of their life. We don't know if this moment right then they're going to accept Christ. Maybe it's the first, maybe they've never met a Christian before. And Tristan, you're the first Christian they've ever met. They might not be ready, but that's not your job. Your job is to preach the good news, don't get me wrong, but it's to sow a seed that God is going to later give the increase. Amen? First uh, Corinthians 3, 6 through 8. I'm just going to back up a scripture. Is that okay? Okay. Say, I'm a farmer. Farmer Nick. It says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So that neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Doesn't that relieve the pressure? We're not trying to tally up salvations, but we're out sowing the seed faithfully as God gives us the unction. Or we see a need, we're just sowing, we're sowing the gospel, Amen. We're called to be farmers. But how many of us know when you're planting a seed, the ground's not always ready? Come on, if you, I don't know if you've ever planted a seed. You know, we're mostly city folk in here. But the ground is not just ready to be planted in. It's not just, I have all these holes in me, just put the seed anywhere. But there's some rocks that need to be removed. There's some weeds that need to be pulled. There's some hard places that need to be made soft. Am I right? Are you guys with me or not? Okay. So there's some breaking up of fallow ground, the Bible says. So there's that time of prayer, first and foremost, to have a heart for us that we would even want to get out of our busy lives, but also to break up the fallow ground in their life. Amen? Because there's that stubbornness, there's that resistance, there's that thing keeping them from God that we need to pray and remove so they can receive the word of God. Amen? 
So we pray and we, we break up the fallow ground. But you know when we're out and about and we're looking for these people that maybe we prayed for people in the morning and we're, we're out and about. During our day-to-day, we need to sow friendliness. Yes, this message is all about friendliness. Do we need to be more friendly? Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove that friendliness is important. Amen. This is not a, a watered-down message or a simple message. It is a simple message, but it's powerful if every day you can actually be friendly, no matter what state of mind you're in, no matter what happened at your home, no matter what your boss said. If you can just be friendly, you're opening up the fallow ground for the actual word of God to be implanted in them. Amen. Sowing friendliness. How many of you go to stores or grocery stores or restaurants based upon someone's friendliness or their lack of friendliness and you don't want to go there anymore? Come on, we've all had a bad experience. So one time I went to Emerald City Smoothie and can I tell you I love Emerald City Smoothie because they have this peanut butter lean out and it's just so good and you can put a B12 in it, you can put a caffeine in it and, and it's just amazing. And they have Spark there, and they have uh, energy drinks there, and they have these little, like, coconut bars, and they have all these things. And I get really excited when I go to Emerald City Smoothie. And I'm hoping that when I go, they're welcoming me. I want to be welcomed when I go somewhere. So I remember this one time I'm going to Emerald City Smoothie, and I didn't necessarily get welcomed. And I was sad. I was like, don't they care? I'm a paying customer. She was kind of disinterested. Not even paying attention. And when she was answering my questions, she was just wishing I wasn't there. Now, I'm not going to tell you the city of this Emerald City smoothie because I'm really believing that whole store is going to repent. And I'm going to send this message to their management and, and they're going to get saved. But I should have filed a complaint because I was it's not in Hoquiam. <laughs> That's the friendliest city. All the Emerald City smoothies in Hoquiam are very friendly. It's such a small town, they do not have an Emerald City smoothie. But the Emerald City smoothie worker had seven seconds to make an impression. We only have seven seconds to make a good impression with people. Because when you meet someone, one, two, three, four, five, Mississippi, six, seven, they have judged you. Good or bad. They're discerning. They're, they're, they're making their judgment within seven seconds. And it's our job to sow friendliness in those seven seconds to capture their heart that they might just listen to us if we present Christ. Amen. We need to be a church that passes the seven second test. Everywhere you go, the gas station, the, the, when you're driving, come on now, when you're driving. Well... You need to be sowing friendliness. I've had some not-so-friendly times driving. Cutting people off is not friendly, okay? And don't have the Jesus sticker, Jesus is sticker on your bumper if you're going to be cutting people off, okay? At least take off the sticker so they don't know. Kelsey's always like, you're driving too fast. I'm like, I'm only going 85. <laughs> that guy's going 90. I'm just going with the flow. But in all reality, yesterday when I was going to work, I was um, following this car, and there is literally a T-bone right in front of me. And I got out of the car, and I'm you know, trying to help them. But this guy was not being friendly in his driving because he was trying to cut someone off, 
and they T-bone because of a lack of friendliness. Come on, if we capture friendliness, we're going to be safe drivers. Come on. I know you guys are convicted right now. Oftentimes we get here at 729. Got to be here at 730. Come on, set up and tear down. 729. I'm on time. 85 miles an hour. Okay. So you can't lie when you're on stage. You have to just tell the truth. So we break up the phallogram. We pray for people. We pray that the, the, the final clumps of dirt is off of their heart. And then we sow friendliness in hopes that the hole is big enough for the seed of the word of God to be implanted. Amen. So we have in church, we have the engine room and we're praying for those coming to the service. Then when they come into the service, we're sowing friendliness so they can actually hear the word of God. Imagine if we had two people at the door and they were just, welcome to Saturday Church. You know, they would not want to listen to the word. Amen. People come up with walls when they come to the house of God. Not just the house of God, but when they're out and about, they have all these walls. But when they come to the house of God, we need to break down the walls and be friendly to people. Amen. I remember this one day, this lady came and, and she, I got to hear her story and, and part of it in the beginning and part of it after service. But she, was listening, she hasn't been to church in years. She was really hurt by the church. Come on, do you know anybody hurt by the church? I'm sure everyone does. And, but she was flicking through TV and she saw Joel Osteen, Pastor Joel, the friendliest pastor in the world. Come on, you can see every single tooth when he is preaching because he just, he just, he never, he never, it never goes down. It's just the whole, it's, he gets, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But it's just, it's always, it's always. He can say, you are in sin right now, but his teeth are always showing. And so she's listening to him, and he's sowing friendliness, an openness, a warmness, a welcome into the kingdom of God. And at the end of his message, he's like, check the Champions Network to see where you can be plugged in at a local church. Citadel Church was on that list. So she comes to Citadel Church, and the first person she meets, me. Come on, I got recruited to the friendlies. And I came with a posture of wanting to know what's going on. I wanted to figure out who this person is. I came welcoming and I came warm and I came with my arms open. And she was excited that there's actually a nice Christian in the church. And what was so awesome is we talked. Then she talked to another person. Then she talked to another person. She talked to five people before she got to her seat. And each person had a meaningful conversation where the conversation was about her and not about us. And after, after the service, she was blown away. She received the word of God because we prayed for her first that she would somehow turn on the TV to see Pastor Joel. Then she came to the house of God. Then she got sowed friendliness opened up the hole in her heart for the word of God to be planted in. Amen. And that's what our lives need to be about. Come on. Proverbs fifteen thirteen. It says a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. It starts with the first interaction 
with a person. Come on, Christians need to be the happiest people on earth. I don't know if you knew this, but we're going to heaven. Come on, we're going to heaven. No tear, no sorrow, no sickness. If we can just actually continually remember that we're not going to die, but we're going to live forever. You know how strong your witness is? Because your face tells other people that you're happy about something. Amen. Jesus said, don't celebrate when you're casting out demons and doing what is spiritual, but rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Come on. The Bible says, uh, restore to me the joy of my salvation. There's joy in just knowing that you're saved. Amen. Amen. Come on. He forgave all your iniquities. He delivered us from sin. He might have delivered you from pornography. He might have delivered you from lust. He might have healed your cancer. He might have, he's done something in your life. He got you saved and that alone should be enough joy that it permeates your face. Amen. Everyone smile. Those are good. Need some work. Okay. Okay. Doesn't she have a beautiful smile? Come on now. Mm-hmm. I married up. Married up. Have you ever heard of the saying, the eyes are the window to the soul? Right? The eyes say so much. Your eyes say so much. Look at the person next to you and just look at them kind of like this. Just do it. Just do it. Just go. Come on, participate. Now, now, stop, 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 stop. Now, now, look at your neighbor and have an endearing look. Small adjustments in the eye says a million words. Come on. When people look into your eyes, they need to see the gospel. They have, you have seven seconds that they see the love of God in your eyes, in your eyes. I'm preaching about your face today, if that's okay. Your face, your eyes, your demeanor, your posture, your teeth. Come on, this message is about your teeth. Brush them. No, come on now. Christians need to have mints. Because if you're going to minister with somebody, you got to have mints. I'm telling you, get too close to the face. It's not going to be pretty. Friendly people have mints. I'm just saying. Anyways. But when I was preparing this message, these words came to me. And I realized what I'm about to read is how we need to look at people and what we're hoping that they see in that seven seconds. Are you guys ready? Can I get a beatbox? No. It does rhyme, though. It does rhyme, though. No beatbox. No, I'm just joking. It's so great to finally meet you. I've been waiting. 
My father has been saying there's more of you to come, so learn the art of explaining. Explaining the precious treasure inside every single human, every single life, that they're destined to know the greatness inside. Inside of you, my friend, far more precious than rare jewels, far more valuable than the greatest pearl. For the pearl of great price, that story was about you, where that man sought all he had because that was the only thing he could do. To show his love, he gave up his entire life, that one day you would know love, love like a wife. His bride, his beloved, the apple of his eye. It's a story picture, you know, an example of his why. It's an attempt to describe the reason you and I actually have a lot in common on the inside. Although the outside, we may differ. But on the inside, if you knew the real you, it would be a lot clearer. It would remove the fear of your unknown end. It would remove the fear of making a stranger a new friend. It would heal every broken place in your heart. It would reveal your true purpose before your very start. No more looking, no more searching. There's a book I've read that shares a person, a person who truly loves you, that knows your ins and outs. I'm so excited for you to hear what's in it and find out what your life is truly about. Well, hopefully you feel welcome. Like I said, I knew you were coming, but I think deep down you knew too you were tired of running. Here, come if you're weary and heavy laden. He will give you rest and give you a safe haven where you can be assured you're accepted and loved. Then you'll truly understand your home is down here, but your home is above. Before you're formed in your mother's room, he knew you. He's been and waiting for this moment when you would actually know him too. Yeah, I used to rap. I'll memorize it another time. But I'm hoping that when I meet the gas attendant, I'm hoping that when I'm at the library, I'm hoping that when I'm at my work, I'm hoping that when I'm out and about, that in that seven seconds, they're reading my eyes. They're reading my heart that in a moment's time, it might not even say anything. Maybe you see that you're sewing is a smile, but God is going to remind them of that smile. Come on. I'm not saying don't preach the gospel. That's not what this message is about. It's the demeanor and disposition of how you present your everyday life. Amen. The gospel has to be seen in your eyes. You know, when I go to uh, worship practice, every time I go, Pastor Maggie opens the door and she goes, Pastor Nick. There's a lot of references to Pastor Maggie. Sorry, we've been friends a long time. But she goes, Pastor Nick. Come on. We are brothers and sisters of faith. And when we see each other, Jarrell, good to see you. Love that sermon you preached on Facebook the other day. Come on, he would be preaching sermons on Facebook. He is a Facebook pastor. I'm telling you, powerful. But we're brothers and sisters. We need to welcome our family. The people that are out and about are your brothers and sisters. They just don't know it yet. You got to welcome them into your family. Come on, I really wanted to call this message the face of a friend. Because there's something about the face of a friend, maybe when you're in a group or you're in a place where you've, you don't know anybody, and you're just hoping, maybe I can find the face of a friend. Because there's comfort, there's safety, there's acceptance, there's love, right? And uh, the real reason we went to Aberdeen is because we went to Kelsey's high school reunion. And I'm not going to tell you what year, because if I tell you what year it was, then you'll calculate how old she is, and you're not supposed to know how old she is, because you're never supposed to know a woman's age. But (laughs) it was a high school reunion. I'm not going to say if it's 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35. She's forever 21 in my mind. Those eyes can be weird, too. 
Be careful. Your eyes say a lot. So I went to this reunion, and I felt very out of place. Now, I am, my personality is an I. If you haven't taken the DISC test, just Google DISC, Tony Robbins, and he will read your mail. He'll tell you exactly who you are. But you don't have to be, you don't have to succumb to exactly what it says because God says who you are. But anyway, so I'm a high I. So I thrive in the public environment around people. I'm very friendly. I don't know if you notice. I'm very friendly. But when I got there, it was kind of hard to be friendly because for one, for one, it started with the music. It was like Snoop Doggy, Doggy, Doggy Dog. Snoop Dogg. And I, was, I started, I was like, no, don't go back. Don't go back. I was praying in tongues. Holy, you are holy. The whole sings your breath. But I felt out of place. And I was looking for the face of a friend. I was like, I know at least one of Kelsey's friends. And Kelsey ditched me a couple times. She didn't mean to. She was, think of it, if you didn't see your friends for a while, I'm not going to say how many years. But, but y- y- you ditched your husband. Just a couple times, a couple times. She did introduce me to people. But I was like, if I can find Kelsey's friend, at least I have one person I can talk to and feel comfortable with. And I found that person. I was like, hey, how are you? I haven't seen you in a long time. And um, there's something about the face of a friend. Amen. And your face welcomes people into the kingdom. Like when you see someone, we need to have the disposition, the, the face that you already know them. That you already know their purpose. That you already know their destiny. You know their, that, that God loves them. And that's the posture. That's the seven seconds. Amen. We're the face of a friend. Come on, I'm recruiting all of y'alls to be in the friendly ministry. You know what the friendly ministry does? You know what their primary role is? Just guess. They're friendly. The, the, the ministry was made so there'd be friendly people in the church. Now, God put on Tristan's heart to start that ministry. Why? He's friendly. Because God knows the seven-second rule. God knows that friendliness needs to be sowed from the parking lot to the door to the seat. And not just in church talk. I'm talking about in life when you're meeting people. The seven-second rule, they're they're looking for the face of a friend. Amen. So you get to be a friendly. You have to ask Tristan to be on the ministry. But you can be a friendly at your work. You can be a friendly at your school. During your wedding planning business. Right? Right? Amen. Say, I am a part of the friendly ministry outside of Citadel, unless you ask Tristan. Um, Matthew nine thirty five through 38. It says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom And healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds. Say he saw. Not Esau. Say when he saw. When I first read that I was like did I Esau? No when he saw the crowds. 
He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So basically, Jesus is going around preaching at the churches Sunday to Sunday. He's faithfully going to church every single Sunday. And midweek, he's going to the cure service. And he's, he's doing the, the, the church thing. But then throughout the week, he saw the crowds. He goes to the synagogue. We're in the synagogue. Right? We're preaching. We're serving. We're doing our thing. But in the midst of the week, who are you sawing? Who are you? <laughs> that didn't really translate. But... <laughs> That word saw, let's just define it. Let's just go somewhere. He saw, saw means to notice, to perceive by any of the senses, to discern, to discover, to turn the eyes, the attention to anything, to pay attention, to interview with, to get knowledge of. Come on, we can come to church every Sunday and we can faithfully make it to the cure service, and we can make it to all the events, but who are we perceiving something's going on? Who are we noticing throughout the week? Come on. It's easy to, to see the crowds and, and miss that the crowds are made up of ones. Come on, sometimes I see a crowd, and I'm like overwhelmed. It's like so many people, but then I just lock in on one person. I just think about, man, what is going on in their life? What's going on with their family? Maybe I can weave in and, and talk to them. Come on. Someone needs to hear the good news. So, so God has given us a blueprint, right? If, if you don't know what the blueprint is, uh, come to the Belong class. It's starting next Sunday. And it's this blueprint that God gave us that, that we start with God's presence being our true north, Right? Everything is about God first. We, every, every meeting we have, every, everything about our lives has to come from the presence of God, right? And then the next is relevance. How can we be relevant to people? You got to notice them. You got you to see them. You got to stop and see that there's people that need what you have. Amen. So, so you see them, you notice them, but you don't have to do next. You got to talk to them. It's required to preach the gospel, to communicate in the language that you can. You got you to talk to them, amen? Because we can notice people all day and have the compassion and have the, the unction to do something and not do anything. Come on, we got to talk to people. Now, like I said, I'm a high eye. So it's easy for me to talk to people. I can naturally just talk to anybody. Maybe not everyone's created like me, okay? And that's okay. I'm going to give you a tool that helps you have meaningful conversation. I'm not going to ask who brought their notebooks, but you should have. But it's an acronym for the word friend. So if you have your notebooks or if you have audiographic memory, then you can remember this. It is also on the notes on Facebook. But... Do we know how to spell friend? Okay. Friend. F. Family. This is how to have a conversation with somebody. And why I'm saying this is because if we're going to be farmers, farmers are very intentional how they 
treat their harvest, how they prepare the ground. They don't just plant at any season. They don't just do something random, but it's very intentional. So I'm going to teach you how to have an intentional conversation. Amen? Say thank you. Okay. You're welcome. So F is family. R is recreation. I'll say it a couple times. I is interest. E is employment. N is need to listen for their need. D is do something about their need or deliver the message. Acronym, friend. F, family. R, recreation. I, interest. E, employment. N, need to listen for their need. D, do something about their need or deliver the message. This might not be natural for everyone to talk to people, right? A lot of us want to talk about ourselves. No amens there. But honestly, like, you ever get in a conversation and you just want to talk about what you want to talk about? No witnesses in here. Okay. It might be a new muscle for you to talk to people is what I'm saying. Okay. Sometimes when me and Kelsey are talking, I just want to talk over her sometimes. And literally, I literally, I would, no, go ahead. You talk. You talk. And maybe in the beginning, you have to go out throughout your day and, hey, how are you? I'm not going to talk about myself. Okay. I'm just joking. <laughs> just joking. Don't do that when you're out and about. But if it helps you, then tell me the testimony. But, but come on. We witness a lot of wasteful conversations, either a part of or listening to a lot of unbeneficial conversations that lead to nowhere. Drama. Come on. <laughs> but we carry God. We have the tools, we have the God inside of us. We just need to have their hearts open up by sowing friendliness, and then we need to talk to them and be interested in their life. Amen? Someone I used to work with, um, he was very boisterous and very loud and very sarcastic and, and joking a lot and kind of like me, but I'm more toned down. But he's just like out there. I just, really, I just described myself. That's funny. That's why we're such good friends. But he's just over the top a little bit. And when all the customers leave, we end up talking 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes. Sometimes Customers sometimes don't come into our store for hours. So we get into these conversations. And after these conversations, however long, every single time he says, why do we always go so deep? And I'm like, I don't know. But I do know, right? I'm listening. I'm asking about his family. I'm asking about how he feels at work. I'm asking about his interests. I'm asking about his recreation. So then I can provide a solution. I can, I can package Jesus in a way that he's going to be receptive. Amen. He, um, he let go of his dream to be a, a movie maker. And through our conversations, literally, he's like, no, I'm going for it. You're so inspired in your life. You're so, you're so on fire for what, but he didn't say what God's doing in your life, but that's what God's doing in my life. He was so inspired that he said, I'm going to go back into movie making. I wouldn't have found that out if I just told him all about my life, but I friended him. Amen. Say, I'm going to friend people. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Proverbs. I don't. I will not repeat that. Proverbs twenty, 
We won't talk about, okay, anyways. Proverbs 20, colon 5 says, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. People are not going to reveal their cards in the beginning. They're not going to just spill the beans. Sometimes they will, and it's really interesting. It's like, why are you telling me? You just like, I just met you like five seconds ago, but you're telling me you're about to get a divorce. You need prayer. People do that, but not all the time. And so we, as men and women of understanding, get to draw the issues of life out of their heart. We get to create a safe environment for them to talk to us that we can deliver the message. Amen. Um, I was at a, a real estate training recently, and this gentleman, Bill, was, was sharing about how to connect with people. And uh, he was actually a former minister, so it was super cool that, that we got to chat and stuff. And so he was talking about when he's out and about, he literally just says, hi, how are you, to people. Now, we say, hi, how are you, but he, he, he means it. You might mean it, too, but I'm just saying. He means it. It's like, hey, how are you? See my eyes? But see, watch this one. Hey, how are you? It's real. So he goes about his day and he asks people, hi, how are you? And it's meaningful. And this one time he was going to a, a store and he saw this gentleman sitting down right at the entrance of the door. And he's like, hey, how are you? And the guy says, not good. And he goes, wait, wait, what'd you say? And the guy's like, not good. And he's like, hey, what's going on? I'd love to find out what's going on. Like, can I, I'd like to get to know you. Tell me what's going on. And the guy said, I've said, I've said not good 50 times as people are walking by saying, hey, how are you? And you're the only one that stopped. Come on. I was like, wow. We get to be those people that actually really care and have intentional conversations because we're not too busy doing kingdom stuff. That we do the kingdom stuff. Amen? We saw people. We noticed people. Amen? Hmm. Can I read you the definition of friendly? It's so good. It was good to me, at least. Hopefully it's good to you. We can put that that, uh, definition up if you have it. Friendly. It's an adjective. Having the temper and disposition of a friend. We're a city on a hill and our lives cannot be hidden. So we need to have good tempers. Good tempers. When we're out and about, we cannot just act flippantly in the presence of unbelievers because then they're like, what kind of God do you have if you can't even keep your cool when (laughs) life's punches happen? Amen. John 14 27, it says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. You guys don't got this. Uh, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives you, um, but I give to you. He's given us a peace that the world does not have, and we need to display it. So when things are going crazy, and people are like, how are you so, how's your temper so even keel? Why'd you respond that way when that person was yelling in your face or fill in the blank? We get to share the gospel by our disposition of friendliness, which is having a good temper. Come on. First Peter 2, 12, it says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, 
they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. I love, can we go to the beginning real quick? It's just so powerful. Keep your conduct, your demeanor, your temper, your posture in life honorable because that person, whether they get saved that day or they get saved in a future day, they're going to have a day of visitation. And they're going to remember when, when I got saved, prior to getting saved, I met this gentleman on the plane, and this guy was beaming the joy of God. I didn't know what it was. I was like, man, this guy is super smiley. His joy is legit. I was like, ooh, it's just, it was permeating. And he, he friended me. The acronym friended me. He's asking me about my family. He's asking me about what am I doing on the plane? What, what's my employment? He's asking me these things. And he was so interested in me. And I was attracted to, to that conversation like, man, the, there's some, something going on in this guy that I want, right? This love of God that I want. And at the very end, at the very end, the, the, the word friend, the very end is deliver the message. So he friended me. He was strategically like a farmer planting seed that if, if, if my heart was open, he's going to plant the seed in my heart. And I remember when I was getting saved, I was remembering his face. Come on, God had an assignment for him to break up the fallow ground by sowing friendliness in my life. So when I was getting saved, I was like, oh, I remember that guy. And, and, this, and this neighbor I had prior to getting saved, this, this other guy, he was so jolly. He was so happy. He was so friendly. Not like Ned Flanders, but he was so friendly. He wasn't oakley doakley, but he was just so nice. And I would come home from work. I'd be tired, and he would just, he'd stop me. He's like, how's work? You look tired. No. <laughs> but he's just always so interested, and him and his wife had a great marriage because he was keeping his conduct honorable because there was going to be a day of visitation for me. And I don't know, I think he did talk to me about God, but it wasn't this like, Hey, man, I know you guys are smoking weed in the house because I can smell it. I know the, the beer bottles are outside, right? He didn't talk about my beer bottles and my smelly weed. He was friending me, sowing seed into my life, and literally his interaction with me helped me make a decision later. Isn't that powerful? Come on. I thought that was good. Um, Jesus, Jesus. I'm having fun. You guys having fun? Okay. So he friended me. He friended me. Uh, the next part of the definition, do you have that or no? No problem. The next part of the definition is kind. The definition, part of the definition of friendly is kind. An ingredient in friendliness is being kind to people. Um, my wife and I are catching up on the Marvel Universe um, movies were very late, um, but we're, you know, watching Captain America and Avengers and Black Panther, Wakanda. And, um, <laughs> I feel like I'm like, can have conversation with people about stuff. Cause you know, you go to church and you go to work and you go to church, you go to work, you gotta know what's going on in the world. And I'm prepping for infinity wars. Okay. Just Google Avengers, and you can start the series. There's like 50 movies, so it's taking a long time. But after I watch the movie, I feel like I have a superpower. 
And like when I saw Black Panther, I was like, it's like, I was just like, I, me and Aiden are playing and I'm just like, boom, like, or like Iron Man, you know, it's just, and then after time I realized there's no, there's just not an Avenger. And what's funny is when I was thinking that, I felt like God said, your superpower is kindness. And I was like, I want to be big and strong. <laughs> I want to like levitate people into the right hand of God and they can see his face. Like that's a, but kindness is a superpower. Because in the midst of terrorism, in the midst of division, in the midst of hate and anger and people that don't deserve kindness, you get to muster up this kindness because you've received kindness. Come on, Jesus. Nice guys don't finish last. Come on, that is a, that's a worldly saying, that nice guys finish last. I'm just saying, young men, don't be, don't be tough guy. Be kind guy and you'll get the right woman. Hey man, that was a freebie. Is Emily still here? Oh, Emily left. Uh, I was on I was um, on Instagram and I saw Emily's one of Emily's posts and it said kindness is so gangster, and I was like, oh, I like that. I was like, I like that. Yeah, it's like kindness is tough, and maybe that has a negative connotation, but that was just me. Okay. So I saw that and I was like, wow, the, the, the gangs, the real gangsters, they use aggression and they use harsh words and they use toughness, but our kindness is so gangster. Come on. That's your superpower. You get to be kind when people, you know, that saying respect is earned. That is not true. Come on. You're not, people say, well, they didn't respect me. I'm not going to respect them. Come on. We get to choose honor. We get to choose kindness. We get to choose to be friendly when people are, sometimes customers come up to me and they are like angry, angry. They might be hangry and angry, but the word of God is dwelling on the inside of me and it gives me the words to say. He's given us the Bible, the basic instructions before leaving earth. And that's another acronym. And, and literally words permeate inside of me how to respond. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. When people are, got the fire on me, I just, I'd love to help you. Let me be kind to you. Look at my teeth. But I ask them, I friend them. What's going on, man? You seem, you seem hangry. Do you want something to eat? I really wanted to show this clip in the movie Risen. I'm not going to. I'm just going to tell it. But if you haven't seen the movie Risen, it's not a lame Christian movie. It is awesome. Okay? There's some not good Christian movies. Fireproof. No, I'm just joking. Kirk Cameron, bless him. Just see the movie and you're like, that's a little outdated. But the movie Risen is awesome. I, I, I love Jesus movies. Okay? Because I get a revelation, maybe what not to be like or, or what to be like. And in the movie Risen, um, Bartholomew is talking to the centurion. And the centurion, his job was to, after Jesus died, is to find the body. 
to, to prove that Jesus did not raise again. So he's interviewing and he's, and he's, he's going after all the disciples and he's, and he's telling them, I'm going to kill you unless you tell me where the body is. And, and so what happens is the centurion comes and he finds the disciples after Jesus dies and they're having dinner with Jesus. And he's just like, like, whoa, <laughs> Jesus is real, right? So he, he has this revelation that Jesus is real and, he's, and, he's, and now he's traveling with the disciples, but he's so curious. You know, people come to salvation, but they're still curious. They still need questions answered. And so there's this scene where the centurion is with Bartholomew, and, and um, the centurion says, why do you follow him? And then it cuts to Jesus with all the disciples, and he's, he's laughing, and he's having a good time, and he's eating fish. And, and I feel like sometimes we think Jesus is very stoic. Like sometimes if, when I read the Bible, sometimes I'm like, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or is it repent? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Come on, we need to read the Bible that Jesus is good. And he loves you. Amen. And he has good things for you. But so they cut to this scene and, and Jesus is with his disciples. He's having a good time. And then, and then all of a sudden the scene cuts to this gentleman. And he has all these clothes on and from like top to bottom because he has leprosy. And he's stealing this fish and he gets caught. And so these people are kicking him out of the city. Superpowers. And, and they're throwing rocks at him and probably cussing at him. Not in the movie, but, you know, like in their language. And Jesus is watching this man being shunned, being shamed, being beat up. And this compassion on his eyes, you guys see the movie, but he's just looking at this man like, I'm going to help him. So Jesus goes and he's starting to run and he has his, he has his fish and he's, he's like a sign of surrender. Like, Hey, here's, here's this fish. And the centurion goes, what is he doing? And Bartholomew says, he's going to heal him. And so Jesus runs over to the man and he's like, here's his fish. Here's his fish. And he looks at the man and he starts friending him. He starts talking to him. You can't, you can't, it doesn't say the audio, but he's talking to him. He's looking into his eyes. He's probably wondering what's going on. And he gives him this fish and he begins eating this fish. And, 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 and Jesus so kindly puts his head to his head and he's just, he's just loving on him and he's praying with him. And then, so the man starts walking away and it cuts back to the disciples and and then the disciples look at the, the leper, and the leper looks back, and there's no more boils on his face. And his skin is completely made whole, and he's restored, and he has this, this glimmer like, man, like God totally healed me. And then Jesus is going back to the disciples like, <laughs> I did it. And it was just this, this friendliness, this warm welcome, this kindness about this individual that other people rejected. And other people hated, and they were even caught in the midst of a crime. But his kindness literally was the doorway for this man to receive the fish and to receive his healing. And we get that, that, that opportunity to be kind to people. Amen? Amen. Acts ten thirty eight. it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about Doing good, say 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 doing good. And healing all who were depressed by the devil, for God was with him. 
Jesus was friendly. He was going around doing good things. And when the time arised, heal a man of leprosy. Maybe they just needed a fish. Maybe they just needed an act of kindness. Amen. And I'm going to end with this scripture. What's my time? Oh, okay. Second Samuel 9, 1 through 13. It says, now David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there is, a, is there, a, there is a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him to David, the king said to him, are you Ziba? He said, at your service. Then the king said, is there still not someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there's still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba, Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Emil in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir and the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, here's your servant. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan's sake, for Jonathan, your father's sake. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I've given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and all to his house. You, therefore, and your sons and daughters shall work the lamb, and you shall bring in the harvest, but your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Just the first part is so good. He said, is there still anyone left in the house of Saul that I can show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? David's disposition, his, his, his goal was, who can I show the kindness of God to? Come on, that's what our daily thing needs to be. It's like, who can we show the kindness of God to? Amen. He was searching. Who can I be kind to on the behalf of God being kind to me? Come on, we have a message that's powerful. We have a message that, 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 that people need, that saves and delivers. Come on. Oh, you guys are the friendliest city. God's representatives. Amen. Usually there's piano playing right now, but it's cool. <laughs> I'm just joking, team. No, I mean, come up, though. I mean, think of how sweet that would have sounded. Like, piano's playing. You're the friendliest city. Just, I'll wait till the guitar plays. No. But come on. Your friendliness is a sign of what God's city is like. And we get an opportunity every day to search for people to show the kindness of God to. Amen? Amen. You guys receive that? All right. Stand to your feet. I have-